Hey there, Margie Bryce here bringing you the Krabby Pastor podcast. And I don't think you're going to be too surprised to know that it's too easy today to become the Krabby Pastor. Our time together will give you food for thought to help you be the ministry leader fully surrendered to God's purposes and living into whatever it takes to get you there and keep you there. So we're talking about sustainability in ministry. On this episode of the Krabby Pastor podcast, we're going to talk about weakness. And we're going to talk about talking about our weaknesses. And the reason is I am seeing more and more ministry leaders talk about where they are really at in this unique ministry era post-ish COVID and how things have shifted and changed and how even the congregations that they had before compared to the ones that they have now, they're like not the same. And how do you navigate all of that? And just feeling like they're not up to the task. And some have been struggling, you know, for like two years or more-ish. And, you know, it. there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons that people don't want to talk about our weaknesses They don't want to talk about what's going on deep down inside our soul. Some of it is uh, we fear those that the people we lead, the people that God has given us charge over, we fear them thinking that we are not up to the task. You know, it's one thing if we think we are not up to the task. I mean, that's one piece of the puzzle here. And I have an upcoming podcast with Alicia Michelle, the Christian mindset coach about that, about whether or not we believe we are up to the task that God has given us. But gee, I mean, what about the people we lead? And they think we're not up to the task. Now, there's plenty of examples in scriptures. It was a pattern for someone called by God for a task to give all sorts of reasons why they were not up for it. I mean, Moses, for one. Uh, But when the call comes in, who will go for me? And we say, oh, I will. That doesn't mean that we understand how to deal with everything that is going to come at us. I mean, in my very first church, I actually had to evict someone out of a church rental property, you know. It was a parent and three children in a one-bedroom apartment, and there were issues of back-due rent that had already been forgiven by the church. And, And of course, the parent was, you know, related to someone in the church, right? And now there's another new large sum past due. And the church decided it was time to act and, you know, having this family relocate actually was in their best interest. You know, they could get transportation, a whole lot more social services by moving closer to town than where they were. But all I kept saying to myself was, I never learned about how to do eviction in seminary. And what kind of a pastor does this make me? (laughs) You know, seriously, though, I, I was interested and we were interested together as a leadership team in the long-term best interests of everyone 
involved. And there were a lot of things. But like, you know, when you say, I will go for you, Jesus, you don't anticipate everything that's going to come at you. So as ministry leaders, we definitely encounter these kinds of situations and we're really unsure how to proceed. I mean, I told my church leadership that I didn't learn how to evict anyone in seminary. I told them about my concerns. And you know what? We talked it out. They had concerns about how it would look in the community and what was the right thing to do. But in today's church climate, where churches are really wrangling with this post-ish COVID church thing, you know, I would still say it's fair game to say, hey, they didn't teach me how to deal with this post-COVID church thing in any of the classes I took, you know, because the reality is this is uncharted territory for all of us. And we're going to wrangle with this situation, but wrangle together. Make sure that you are able to say these three words and that you're comfortable saying it. Any good leader that is worth their salt knows how to say these three words. I don't know. When you don't know, say, I don't know, and then figure it out together. Or tell your leadership you'll do some research and get back with them. Ask them to join you in the research. So don't be afraid of saying, I don't know, because maybe someone else on the team does know and can be a blessing to all of you. You know, being a ministry leader doesn't mean you know everything about everything all the time, and nor do you have to, because that's the value of other people. In one of my classes that I took, we all had to group according to our Myers-Briggs type. And so we all did that. And there was one group that was obnoxiously loud. And I thought, oh, man. And my group were all, you know, the intuitive thinkers. And we hashed the situation around that we were supposed to hash around and decided that we'd all go home and think about it and come back the next day. And I thought, oh my goodness, if everyone everywhere was like me, ah, what would we have? We need the variety of everyone. And and that's kind of what God had in mind, I think, (laughs) here. I did, along the way, notify my leadership that I'm an introvert, you know, and I guess on some days I see that as a weakness, but on some days I don't. So, you know, it just depends on what day it is. And I I told them in the, in the, um, in trying to be honest, totally honest, that I was good for about three intense face-to-face discussions in any one 24-hour period. And one of them just said to me, gee, just make sure I'm never number four, okay? You know, you, you got to be who you are. You have to be who God made you to be. As they say, lumps, bumps, warts and all, because it's easier to just be yourself than to have to take the extra energy and effort to live into being some other person or some other version of yourself that you think is better than who God made you to be. I mean, I don't have the extra energy for that. Do you? I mean, really? Do you? (laughs) Some of us fear also another reason why we wouldn't want to talk too much about our weaknesses or one reason we don't. Some of us fear supervisors, 
you know, cultivating ideas about us that says we're not enough, again, for our role, which we already think about ourselves at times, you know, and that that actually can work out well. It can keep us dependent upon God and, and in that humble state where we're open to God's leading. However, it can feel unsafe for us to share, you know, and I hear this over and over from ministry leaders that they fear what their supervisors would do with the information they share when they make themselves vulnerable. I've even heard of people making themselves vulnerable and supervisors are there and they just don't get the kind of response and care and compassion that they're hoping for. But if you're in the right denominational structure, this means questions about your you, about your potential as a leader. And so you might get put in a lesser role. You fear that kind of thing. Or maybe you don't mesh well anyway with your supervisor. You know, everybody doesn't get along with everybody all the time, which is a shame, but that's the truth. And you fear what that could mean for your future. So we hide who we really are. We don't talk much about our weaknesses. Hey, Margie Bryce here, and I have something free for you. If you are unsure of what your mindset is when it comes to self-care, if you know you should do self-care, but you're just not sure how to get that rolling, how to get started, I have a free ebook for you. And it is about radical self-care, and it will get you started thinking about it and has lots of helpful information. Actually, what it is more than anything else is a journal style kind of piece that will help you work through the process of self-evaluation so you get a sense of where you are with self-care. So to get this free ebook, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes. And you can access it from there and it can help you get started on the self-care that you know you should be doing anyway and get you started maybe on taking some definitive action to ensure that you have the sustainability necessary to go the distance with God. Now, here's the thing. If we fear for our safety, that causes our anxiety level to grow and grow. So if you're already dealing with a set of weaknesses, whether you're burned out, whether you're just anxious, whether there are some unresolved issues in your heart and in your life that it's now time to deal with, you know, you uh, you just live into all of that. And you can't uh, be honest about who you are and share who you are because you feel like that vulnerability is going to cost you something. So what happens then when you happen to amble into something like burnout? Because people don't like to talk about this either because they perceive it as a weakness. I mean, this can happen, you know, you can amble into burnout. And people don't say, you know, I think today I'm going to get burned out. You are slowly heading that direction. And then 
you suddenly arrive at this place and you think, oh boy, where have I gone? Because what's happened is you've been so focused on your lists of what need to be done, lists, that is plural on purpose, and you're working it. You are working it, working it, working it. And suddenly you wonder what happened. You feel run down, drained, negative thoughts are most of what flies through your mind. You're way crabbier than usual. And your empathy and sympathy for the plights of others, well, it's almost non-existent. It's tanked. You feel overwhelmed. And actually, there is a burnout quiz on the podcast if, if you really want to dig and dive into that along with a, a PDF a printout version that's already been published. So you can check yourself out. But what what happens when you realize you do have a lot of good going on? This is another situation. You realize, hey, I have a lot of good stuff going on in my life, but I just can't seem to find any pleasure in it or any pleasure in life for that matter. Or you just feel emotionally stuck. And perhaps you need a professional to help you sort it all out with you because you have this sneaking feeling that your responses to the situation aren't exactly what they should be and you can't seem to stop the cycle of your responses from repeating themselves over and over and over. So now I've wandered from burnout into talking about mental health issues. And let's face it, friends, life has poured out onto us many of some pretty heavy things. The results of the pandemic, how your congregation before the pandemic may not be the same as the one you have now, and what to do about that. Feelings of inadequacy abound. And as I said earlier, this is new turf for all of us because there's a compounding of things going on, whether you're looking at the financial markets or more the mortgage rates or the cost of gas or, you know, and I just, the big, the list is kind of large right now. Perhaps you know your reaction time needs a little fine tuning. And here's the place where I want to mention guilt and shame. Guilt, my friends, is about what you do or do not do. And some guilt is, some kinds of guilt, is okay. Like, man, I feel guilty that I brushed my teeth all week. You know, that is a good kind of guilt that kind of urges you on to the, the things that really are important and that you should be about. Shame, however, is quite different because shame is about who you are. Are. So what I want to say is don't be ashamed to take the steps you need to stay sane, to stay whole. There's stuff that happens to us in life that has long lasting impacts on us. And, you know, these kinds of things resurface and you don't know why you're responding the way you respond. I think I've shared before that I have an abandonment thing when I was sick as a kid and I was, you know, in the hospital. I think I couldn't have been more than five and my parents were going to leave because, you know, hey, look, she's sleeping. Makes sense, right? But I was in kind of a twilight sleep. I could hear them. And in my head as a little kid, I would say, no, no, don't leave. Well, 
you know, still today, I have to watch myself and how I respond or how I perceive some things. Because sometimes that lens pops up. And and I can feel abandoned again. And I look back and go, okay, there's that yet again. I'm still hoping that someday it goes away forever. But I don't know if that's ever going to happen. But it does resurface from time to time. Some days I recognize it. And actually, some days I don't. All of this leads to one more point that I'm going to make here. And that's for when there is moral failure by a ministry leader. So when you learn about a moral failure of a ministry leader, the big question is, where do you file something like that? And why on earth do you even need a file system for that? I want to share that early in my Christian walk, there was a pastor in town, and they were influential in a good way in my walk with Christ. And a while later, it was discovered that there was a moral failure going on. So I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what happened here? I made some decisions for Christ under this person and now this somehow invalidates that. Does it or doesn't it? And I had to come to terms with that pretty early in my walk that I made my response to God and not to that individual. So at the end of the day, we all serve God. That's a good reminder. And maybe that leads us to unexpected places, but we need to offer our best to God. And sometimes that means learning the lesson of burnout. Hopefully not, or at least how to slow down and take care of ourselves. I know pastors that I've spoke to that have lived through burnout and have stories to tell and I'll be having some of those on this podcast. Uh, They learn how to slow down and take care of themselves. They learn that it's okay to talk about their weaknesses. Sometimes, though, we need to grow in our self-awareness and our self-understanding and these moments of weakness and talking about our weakness give us that. And maybe God has actually piloted you to this moment so that you can attend to that. And at the end of the day, you will be better for it. You know, I guess I could quote Romans 8, 28 here, that all things, that's what it says, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to God's purposes. All things, even these challenging times in your life. I want to say to you, we need to view these situations, these emotions, these challenges as a call to take a moment, to breathe, to reflect, to gain wisdom and insight so that we aren't the ones dealing with a moral failure or severe burnout or in taking a serious mental health timeout time. Because all of that, all of that will ripple out from us to our family, to our friends, and to those that we are called to serve. So at the end of the day, it is better that we attend to our weaknesses, whether that means you get 
counseling, you get a therapist, you get a coach, you get someone to come alongside you, to walk with you, someone that you feel comfortable being totally honest and totally real about yourself and your life and your ministry so that you can then offer God your very best. Blessings on your day from the Krabby Pastor. Thanks for listening. It is my deep desire and passion to champion issues of sustainability in ministry and for your life. So I'm here to help. I stepped back from pastoral ministry and I feel called to help ministry leaders uh, create and cultivate sustainability in their lives so that they can go the distance with God and whatever plans that God has for you. I would love to help. I would consider it an honor. And in all things, make sure you connect to these sustainability practices, you know, so that you don't become the crabby pastor.